Welcome to episode 35. What the bloody hell does organic really mean? I bet you keep hearing about how healthy and amazing organic food is, but all you really feel like you know is that it costs more money. I want to tell you exactly what the word organic means so you can have a more informed trip to the supermarket or the farmer's market and really figure out if those extra few dollars are really worth your while. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Thanks for being here for another episode. We've got plenty going on today, especially in the middle of this crazy health fad that no longer seems to be an actual fad. People and businesses really are getting on the healthy bandwagon, which is great because it shows that we are starting to make healthy fashionable, which is what we want, right? We want everyone to be in fashion, in season, on trend, right? Hopefully that sticks around for some time, but we always have to be careful, which is why this episode exists today, because that dilemma exists always and it will for the rest of time between people leveraging the health movement for financial reasons and those doing it because they really want better health for the humans on the planet, right? All right, we're getting into this organic stuff today. So what are we talking about organic for? Because as you probably know, the waters are a little murky on this topic because, well, on one hand, we've got people saying that eating organic is super healthy for your gut, your mental health, your physical health, disease prevention, virtually every variable of health. There's a lot of people preaching that. Um, and on the other hand, we've got corporations, right? which, of course, want to make more sales. They want to make more money. They want to get in on this health-conscious movement so they can profit. But understanding is important because we all know corporations don't really mind pulling the old wool over your eyes from time to time, right? (laughs) So for me, I generally understand the organic philosophy as to be more reminiscent of, say, uh, preventative health in the natural health space than, I guess, in comparison to reactive disease management, like in the Western medical model. The organic approach focuses on health of the soil and the biodiversity of the environment that these crops are grown within, of which has an obvious downstream impact on the quality of the plants grown and eventually our very own guts where those plants end up. But I think it's important to really look at who hands out these organic certifications, who is dictating or stipulating what goes on. So in Australia, there are six particular bodies. So we've got Ausqual Proprietary Limited. We've got the Australian Certified Organic Group, which you probably know the most. I find their logos on most things, the ACO. We've got Biodynamic Research Institute, always referred to as BDRI. We've got NASA Certified Organic, known as the NCO. Has nothing to do with shooting rockets into the sky, by the way. Um, We've got Organic Food Chain. And we've got Southern Cross Certified Australia Proprietary Limited. So we've got six businesses that hand out these certifications. And notice I said business, right? So the real question is, although these six businesses in Australia are, you know, given the permission to hand out these certifications, the question really is, who is the big dog? Who regulates these six different bodies, right? In Australia, it's it's big ag, right? You, You hear me talk about big pharma? We've got big agriculture, okay? So the Department of Agriculture, aka the Australian government, regulate these six bodies in Australia and they hand on, they essentially certify them to certify organics, right? So it's kind of like a a multiple step process. And 
For those US listeners, there's the National Organic Program in the US, and that's governed by the US Big Ag as well, right? The USDA, US Department of Agriculture, and and they, they oversee the program and enforce the NOP, the National Organic Program, uh, for the regulations and standards that exist in the US, right? So, but it is really important to note that depending on the country you're in, that it, most of them have an arrangement. And there's a couple of these certifications that different countries have agreements with. So if it's organic in Australia, as per whichever number of the six companies that I mentioned, then say the US import laws will say organic from this particular company in this particular country can be considered or and advertised and marketed as organic in our country as well. Okay, so that's important to understand. That allows, you know, international business, import and export of organic goods. So, but I guess the thing to understand too is that the, this essentially means that the government allows these private businesses to operate, you know, in the way that they do, but they, of course, have profit margins, right? They have profit targets. They have goals for the success of their business. And, well, that really murkies the water, right? You know, that's really going down the political and economic rabbit hole. And, you know, I want to take a step back for a second to talk about what exactly is organic because we can go down that rabbit hole forever. So generally speaking, the term organic is associated with the following six criteria, right? Number one, it's not GMO'd. So no genetically modified organisms. Oh, and by the way, GMO products are unable to ever receive an organic status. So. If you ever see the sign organic corn, <laughs> you know it's a lie, given that 99% of corn on the planet is already GMO, right? So number one's GMO, non-GMO. Number two, no artificial pesticides or herbicides. Take note of the word artificial. Doesn't mean none, it just means artificial, right? Number three, no man-made fertilizers. Number four, no antibiotics or growth hormones. Number five. No chemical additive. Number six, no radiation to sterilize or preserve the food. So that's the six categories that are usually associated with organic. But let's get a definition going here. And I've taken this from the Big Ag website. So organic means rather than using synthetic pesticides to kill pests, farmers prevent pests by planting a diverse range of crops by rotating crops using natural, biological, and environmentally friendly inputs and conserving natural ecosystems or environments that these plants flourish within. Basically, in a nutshell, this means no artificial pesticides, no synthetic herbicides, no hormones, and no growth promoters, of which, in my opinion, have a questionable place in our lives given the negative impact on our health. You know, these are toxic chemicals that are extremely toxic to the body. Obviously, though, you know, the other side of the coin is you can see why farms, businesses and corporations would use these. But for us, as the consumer with the gastrointestinal tract that ingests and absorbs this shit, the use of these things is bloody horrific. You just need to Google the word Monsanto to learn about what these chemicals can do to you. Actually, I talk a little bit about that Monsanto and glyphosate conversation with naturopath and detox specialist Melissa Smith on episode 28. So go check that one out. A really great episode, and Mel is brilliant, so I highly recommend it. So, continuing on, being organic and removing all of these growth enhancing agents, it kind of poses the question as to how farmers get their crops to grow well at all, right? There are businesses and families and individuals trying to make a profit so that they can eat, so that they can live their life, right? So, how they do this is via these methods, right? Crop rotation meaning that the soil is experiencing a diverse range of plants and thus bacteria and min minerals are not depleted in any, any single category. 
So, you know, say carrots, cabbages, broccoli, you know, say they all have a, a different nutrient profile requirement. So if you rotate these crops around the same fields, the nutrients will not be depleted, say the nitrogen maybe in the soil, which is one of the big ones that costs a lot of money, is that maybe the nitrogen will be super depleted. If you keep replanting a plant that requires high nitrogen, but if you have one plant that requires high nitrogen and then you replace it with a, um, you know, a plant that requires high magnesium, Instead of high nitrogen, you know, you're going to get this equilibration effect in, or the aim is that you will get this equilibration effect in the soil. The next one is that they use animal and plant manures. Now, with how many living animals there are on this planet, let alone how many animals are in the meat farming industry alone, there really must be no shortage of shit to use as manure. (laughs) I remember when I was growing up, I grew up in the countryside, I didn't grow up in Melbourne, but I remember dad used to chuck the trailer on the back and we'd go to family friends farms and we'd all get a shovel and we'd load up the trailer with you know dung with manure of animals that were on friends farms cows horses you know different animals but there's plenty of it so organic means that farmers are using these types of measures to fertilize their plants and biological pest control right so again earlier i said note the fact artificial is the word that we need to pay attention to because biological pest control Means, na- means natural, but it also doesn't mean non-toxic. It also doesn't mean, you know, chemicals that are made in a lab. Um, because again, just like there's rules for natural and biological and safe and healthy and fresh in a supermarket, it's the same in the chemical industry when it comes to farming. So having said all that, it doesn't mean that these aren't better. Biological pest control is better than the toxic shit that non-organic farms are having to use or, or prefer to use. Interestingly, in Australia, farms with an organic certification must use 5% of their land for natural biodiversity, such as, you know, like wetlands or dams or lakes or tree plantations to facilitate pretty much creating a more natural environment. And farmers can use that to their advantage as well by creating, say, like a wall of trees around the paddock so that that essentially acts as a barrier from the weather. It also acts as a block from animals trying to get in because, you know, obviously wild animals come in and eat, eat crops and you want to do what you can to avoid that. So farmers can actually use this 5% of land to their advantage for growing better organic food. This 5% of land dedicated to natural biodiversity facilitates the health of the plants because the environment attracts a diversity of biological organisms, plants, insects, animals into the area. All of them are eating everywhere, all of, all of their feces is everywhere, which is, you know, enriching the soil with different things, and it really is beneficial, although one would argue that 5% is nowhere near enough. But introducing these natural forces into the growth environment of our organic fruits and vegetables, I think, is a very positive thing. But it, again, it is important to note that the, that the degree of organic and what organic means to each farm and each farmer really does vary a lot. As with everything, there are some some people, as we talked about earlier, that do this just for, you know, getting the dollars in the bank. You know, organic costs more. We can charge more. So the word organic fetches a higher price at the, the market. So, of course, there's, you know, the big big dollar guys and the guys that want to hit profit targets and whatnot are focused on making money. And there's nothing wrong with making money. We're all out to make money, right? It's about doing it in the right way. But then there are the people that have genuine care for the life of the planet, the environmentalists, the people that are environmentalists at their core of who they truly are. And you've got to remember, these pharmacists run businesses, whether they're environmentalists or not. And 
it's important to know that organic farms and crops can have up to a 25% reduction in production. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Oh, sound like a rapper. <laughs> it's important to know that organic farms and crops can have up to a 25% reduction in production. Oh, sound like a rapper. <laughs> a reduction in production of food because you know, you're leaving it up to the natural forces of life. Um, so you're going to have die-off that you wouldn't normally have because the conditions that you would previously have had control of, you no longer have control. Um, that you would in a non-organic environment. And given this cutthroat reality of working in the farming industry with farmers experiencing a disproportionate number of suicides, it really does make you think about these things because from a finance point of view, from an economic point of view, from a livelihood point of view, from a putting food on the table point of view, you know, we're all humans at the end of the day. So it just, it just adds, you know, a degree of complexity to, the, to thinking about this problem. But you probably jumped on this podcast because the real question you have is, is it better to buy organic or just ordinary food, non-organic? Now, there's limited evidence for nutritional benefit, but there are very few studies in this field. So, you know, we don't fully know yet. And please note that most of the research that has been done was funded by organic-related companies. So you might also think, oh, well, you know, that's, that's a bit biased. However, most people listening to this podcast have probably been more than happy to consume pharmaceuticals that were tested by the seller. The research was produced by the person selling the pharmaceutical drug, right? So, yeah, the organic research was funded by the organics company and might have a degree of bias, but let me introduce you right now to the world of research. This is just a reality, okay? Um, not always, but a lot of the time. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention because it's important to acknowledge these biases. Part of being a research scientist is that you need to be able to have the capacity to acknowledge the bias because there's a bias in everything in some degree. All right, but get, let's get to these studies. So a few of these studies have shown that in comparison with non-organic food, organic food has more vitamin C, iron, magnesium, phosphorus, omega-3s. Now, most of the research that has been done, and again, not a heap, antioxidant activity was the most commonly researched variable, and it was found that there was an increase in antioxidant activity in organic food. So you know, 
that's great, <laughs> right? Most people have got toxic free radicals running around their body from living and eating their toxic lives and lifestyle and nutrition. So increased antioxidant activity is great. But again, none of this research was really that significant and it's not yet conclusive. At this stage of the game, though, from a very tunnel vision medical perspective, they're on par with non-organic products because, as it seems to most people's single variable argument, and I actually have a particular doctor that trolls me on social media on various topics, and this one particularly, but medical and food experts are always saying there is no nutritional benefit. Look at the data. There's no nutritional benefit to organic food. Now, to all the there is no nutritional benefit to organic food people that seem to lack a holistic or functional thought process about anything in the void that exists between their ears, I've got some answers for you, right? Even if there is absolutely zero nutritional advantage to organic food, this is what I've got to say. There are decreased residues that run off of these plants, right? So the liquid, the, the irrigation that happens on these plants that then runs off the paddocks has less toxins in it, meaning the soil has a reduction in the amount of toxins in it, meaning that the next generation of plants is going to be healthier and less toxic, and all the environment around the paddock is going to be slightly healthier, if not drastically healthier, than the environment that would exist in a non-organic context. There's a decrease in carcinogens. Using less of these toxic herbicides and pesticides has less carcinogens. As I mentioned earlier, check out Monsanto and glyphosate. So many carcinogens exist and cancer-causing agents exist in these herbicides and pesticides, and people have taken corporation to court and won millions and millions and millions of dollars for their cancer-causing effects, right? Decreased endocrine disruptors. So a lot of people have hormonal issues, hormonal imbalances because of the ingestion of endocrine disruptors and a plethora of other things that endocrine disruptors cause. There's a decrease in this, right? There's decreased toxicants overall. Of any possible compound that shouldn't be in the body, there's a decrease. The average person can find a plethora of pesticide and herbicide products in their urine. It's been tested on multiple occasions, and there's a few case studies that show that it only takes as little, remember these case studies, only takes as little as two weeks on an entirely organic diet to drastically reduce the pesticides and herbicides in your body or that present in your urine. And it is more sustainable for the planet. Collateral damage and environmental cost are reduced, right? They are reduced. So all those people that are pretty much saying there's no nutritional benefit to, you know, organic food, think a little bigger. You know, this world is more important than your single gastrointestinal tract. And by the way, if you keep consuming all of these non-organic foods, you're going to be exposing yourself to higher rates of pesticides, herbicides, carcinogens, endocrine disruptors. And nobody wants that, right? Nobody wants that. And here is one thing, and I'm going to go on a bit of a rant. Here is one thing that nobody ever talks about, right? Nobody talks about this because, in my opinion, it takes a scientist that understands bacteria and biology and stuff like this to think about this. This is not a nutritional way of thinking, right? This is a probably a botanist's perspective, right? One thing people don't think about is the uh, immune system of the plant. What happens if you plant a tree in a soil that's shit at home in a pot, right? It doesn't get the right water. It doesn't get the right sunlight. What happens? It dies. Or maybe you grow veggies at home and you've had different tomato plants get black spots on their leaf, right? Whatever it is. The point is that each individual living organism has an immune system. And when you have an organic field that has this huge reduction in all of these toxic chemicals that are managing the environment for the plant, it means the plant never needs to utilize its, its immune functions, right? It never needs to defend itself. Therefore, just like humans, 
it doesn't develop a strong immune system, okay? So when a plant is in the wild or when a plant is in a more organic environment than it might otherwise be, its defense systems are on high function. It's optimizing itself. The genetics of the plant that are being expressed are to benefit the survival of that species. It's the same as human. Now, I don't know about you, but the food that I want to be putting in my body, I want to have a very good immune system of its own. Because if I'm trying to improve my own immune system and I'm ingesting plants that don't have their immune system turned on because they had chemicals managing the environment for them and they never had to switch on these genetic markers that they have in their DNA, then, you know, that's that's one argument that is never, ever talked about. People don't understand the immune profile of an individual plant. So I personally believe, and obviously I'm talking about this from a, a biological perspective and a scientist perspective, but there's no research to back this up, but I believe that the strength of the immune system of the plant is as important as the immune system of the body that you're putting it in. Because if you want to equip your body with the best tools, then you must put the best food in, right? Rant over. So these, this group of things that I've just talked about, to me, makes more sense than if, if there's no nutritional benefit, right? All of those are far greater benefits than, ha- than even having times two amount of vitamin C in something. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about it as you can probably tell, because <laughs> I'm just sick of people thinking about these things in one dimension. It's far greater than that. So the point I'm making here is that even if there isn't a nutritional benefit that is going to help you out, it is the decreased exposure to bullshit that will help you out. Now, I say all this assuming that, the, you know, of course, in the context that the organic guidelines are upheld, which we know it's not always the case. And I'm assuming that you've listened to this episode to know whether or not organic is better. And in my opinion, as you can probably tell by now, even a little bit organic is better than none at all, okay? And the best thing that you can do is go to a farmer's market, not the supermarket, a farmer's market, and communicate with the farmers themselves that have rocked up, that have spent their Saturday, you know, bringing the food to you personally. They know the journey of that food, and you will soon know by just literally having a conversation with that person, speaking to that person about farming and about food and about how they do it. and you can even see their signed certifications. At most of these markets, they have to have their signed organic certifications there, right, on display. It's just part of what they do. And you will know sooner or later whether this individual that you're talking to, you know, cares about the plants or, you know, has a profound understanding of why it's important for these plants to be organic, okay? So it really is the best way to go about it. And my general assumption is that the more commercial you go, with your shopping, the more dilute the word organic will become. Again, that's just my personal take on it. It's, you know, it might not be that way, but it seems to be that that's kind of the way that things go. Oh, and also, before we wrap up, I just want to say that I forgot one little fun fact to mention earlier. If you see a product labeled as pesticide-free, that is, that is actually a, a specific grade of certification, okay? So what it means is that a farm or a paddock that that product has come from Legally, it has to maintain a pesticide-free status for a minimum of five years straight before it is declared or certified as organic. So if you see a sign that says pesticide-free on something, in most cases, it's not just an advertisement. It is a, it's like a status. It's like a progression from non-organic, pesticide-free to then being organic. All right, guys, if you loved this episode... Please share it with a friend. Take a screenshot. Share it as your story on social media. Please tag me at Maddie Lansdowne or any of the guests for any of the other episodes that you are listening to or have listened to. 
Thanks for being here as always. If you have any questions or you want me to feature anybody on the podcast or maybe you have some topic ideas that I can talk about, hit me up, podcast at Maddie Lansdowne. Would love to hear from you. Now, if you want to hear more about organic stuff, because I can rant on organic stuff for ages um, from a scientific perspective, just let me know because I can do more of these episodes. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for jumping on. I appreciate it. I want to hear what you think about organic or non-organic because everybody kind of thinks something different. But I really hope that this episode has helped you think more than one dimensionally about the word organic and organic food. Okay, guys, thanks so much. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.